Hello and welcome to this episode of the Jones and Bartley Learning Podcast Series. My name is Bill Kimball. We're speaking today with Richard Skolnick, author of the best-selling book, Essentials of Global Health, which will be available in an updated second edition this August under the new title, Global Health 101. Richard Skolnick is a lecturer in global health at the George Washington University School of Public Health and Health Services. He is the former vice president for international programs at the Population Reference Bureau and the former executive director of the Harvard School of Public Health PEPFAR program for AIDS treatment in Botswana, Nigeria, and Tanzania. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Skolnick. It's a pleasure to have you with us here. My first question to you today, since the first edition of the book published in 2007, what have been the major changes in the burden of disease globally? Bill, there have been some really uh, important changes in the burden of uh, disease globally over the last uh, five or six years. Uh, First of all, uh, the number of mothers who are estimated to die in childbirth has been dropped by about 100,000. When we look at children, we see that the latest estimates suggest that there are happily uh, one, maybe one to two million fewer deaths among children under five than there were when the data came out seven or, or eight years ago, I should say. At the same time, I think, as, as you probably know, there's been important progress in reducing the number of new infections from HIV as well as the number of deaths from HIV. Uh, there's also been some uh, substantial progress in reducing the burden of some of the neglected tropical diseases. But at the same time, of course, there's been an enormous increase in the relative importance of non-communicable diseases, and not only in rich countries, but also in the low- and middle-income countries as well. In, in brief, that's a kind of summary of some of the most substantial changes that have occurred. What promising developments have taken place in the last four to five years that might help address key global health issues more effectively? Well, the good news is there there have been some really substantial uh, developments. Although the unfinished agenda, as I like to call it, remains a substantial one, some of these developments have been uh, both promising and actually have shown some really substantial, helped the world to achieve some substantial improvements. So, um, If we look, for example, first at uh, newborn health, we see that uh, there's been some really uh, important progress in what they call saving newborn lives from uh, implementing more widely some low-cost, highly effective technologies like um, the cradling with skin-to-skin contact of young babies who are born in places where they're – who are born underweight but born in places where there are no incubators for them, Uh, simple tools for resuscitating babies at birth who might otherwise die and some really substantial efforts at trying to train community health workers in helping families to diagnose and treat pneumonia. And as a result of this, we're really beginning to see some important improvement in reduction in the number of, of newborn deaths, which were ne- which, and newborns were neglected for a really uh, long time. Um, second, uh, there's certainly been uh, dramatic progress in uh, the spread of treatment for HIV. Uh, Ten years ago, people were wringing their hands and wondering whether or not, for example, it would ever be possible to get antiretroviral therapy to AIDS patients. And now we see that uh, even in some of the poorer countries in Africa, more than 50% of the people who are eligible for treatment are actually on it. And a country like Cambodia, on which I've recently been working, uh, almost everyone who's clinically eligible for AIDS drugs is actually getting them. And this is really substantial. And at the same time, of course, there have been some other... um, uh, substantial improvements in the development of programs, like the spread of uh, better, more effective, and more integrated programs for treating some of the neglected tropical diseases. Uh, and then there's also been the development of some new technologies as well, such as um, the approval and the beginning of uh, more widespread use of vaccines against pneumonia and diarrhea. 
So I mean, there have been uh, a number of really important improvements. Some of them are beginning to be used or being used more widely, and I think they, they show some really great promise for reducing the burden of disease, particularly among poor people in low- and middle-income countries. Great response. I appreciate the in-depth nature of, of your answer. So building off that response, I have a two-part question for you. First, what changes have you made to the second edition of your text to respond to those developments? And second, how do you continue to make the book come alive for undergrad, undergraduates? Well, that, those are good. Those are good questions, Bill. Those are the things you'll appreciate to which I've been devoting an important share of my life over the last year or so. So let me try to respond. First of all, if it was it was really important in working on the second edition to update the data on the burden of disease, both kind of globally and with respect to some of the particular causes of of illness uh, and death. There's been really dramatic uh, progress, for example, in reducing the number of deaths from measles. And if I didn't update the uh, data, students who are reading the book or looking at other related materials would really be misinformed this time around compared to uh, to earlier because there's so many fewer, happily, so many fewer measles deaths than before. So one measure we've taken is to um, update the data uh, on the global burden of disease, on individual causes of illness and death, and at the same time to take advantage of the projections that the World Health Organization has done for the where the burden of disease is estimated to be going over the next 20 years or so. And that information is used uh, throughout the second uh, edition uh, as well. At the same time, uh, given the, um, the book uh, has been revised to try to capture some of these developments that I mentioned a few years ago, so that there is considerable more attention, for example, to um, what's been learned about HIV prevention and the progress that's been made in HIV treatment. There's more attention, for example, to what we're learning about drug-resistant tuberculosis uh, than there was before when uh, somewhat less attention was paid to it. There's a a substantially uh, expanded uh, section on the neglected tropical diseases, given the increased attention that's being paid to them. The ethics chapter has been revised because uh, not only is it um, um, a subject to which more attention is being paid, but although I think the chapter was a good one before, with the help of a really outstanding ethicist, we've tried to highlight the most important concepts for students and faculty to be thinking about as they try to ensure that students think about ethical issues uh, and how they play out in the global health arena. Um, Finally, um, in terms of uh, kind of updating, uh, the section on uh, non-communicable diseases, of course, has been um, substantially, substantially expanded uh, in order to take account of the much greater importance of them in relative terms, again, in low- and middle-income countries, certainly compared to what the global health uh, community was thinking about, maybe mistakenly, uh, 10 or 15 years ago, for example. In terms of uh, what we've done to try, what I've done to try to make the book exciting uh, and uh, enjoyable and enlightening and evidence-based for students, um, I've uh, made a fair number of changes to the book. Probably the most important one is we've uh, I've added to the book more than 30 uh, case studies, and these case studies are meant both to uh, illustrate important concepts in all of the key chapters but at the same time to allow um, cases that might be used uh, as the basis for some ins- important instruction uh, by the faculty who are using the book and teaching courses in, in global health. 
Uh, in addition to that, there are two, uh, I've added two chapters to the book that were really meant to address important student concerns. One of them is called Careers in Global Health, and the second one is called Profiles of Global Health Actors. And the careers chapter is, in a lot of ways, Professor Skolnick's uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday talk with students who are interested in global health but not sure about how they might pursue a career in that arena and the kind of knowledge, skills, and experience they need to do so. And that chapter is meant to be informative and help the students have a framework for thinking about that and helps faculty uh, uh, have more directed and more uh, efficient conversations with students about careers. And the other chapter on profiles of global health actors looks at 13 uh, people uh, from a variety of global health careers and is meant largely to inspire students uh, uh, to, th- uh, to think about possible careers in global health as well as to uh, consider some of these people as possible role models for the kind of people that they think they might want to be themselves. So I'm hoping that with a combination of the updates, the expanded chapters, the new chapters, and the very large number of new case studies that we've added, that the book will be up to date, it will continue to be evidence-based, it will continue to be clear uh, and easy to read, even though rigorous, uh, meant for introductory students, and really useful for students uh, as they think about what they might want to be doing with their lives. Excellent response. Thank you for that. My final question for you. Global Health 101, the second edition, is accompanied by a comprehensive new package of online student and instructor resources. Can you tell our listeners a bit about these resources and how they'll help facilitate teaching and learning? Sure. Um, I'm really uh, hoping, uh, in conjunction with you and your outstanding colleagues, that the website for Global Health 101 will be the single best source of information uh, for students and for faculty Um, concerning uh, an introduction to uh, global health education and that the website will be an excellent complement as well to the wonderful website of the Global Health Education Consortium and some of the wonderful materials, for example, that uh, USAID has on its website with respect to global health. So on the student portion, for example, students will be able to find and everything both on the student portion and as far as possible as appropriate on the faculty portion will be arranged according to the chapters of the book. So on the student uh, website, for example, which faculty and students will be able to access uh, freely, there'll be uh, a list of global health videos. There'll be an up-to-date list of the most important references uh, on global health. There'll be an interactive glossary. There'll be an interactive set of study questions, chapter by chapter. There'll be model policy briefs, which can assist the students in preparing those uh, if faculty assign them, as I do. There'll be, I think, what will be one of the best lists uh, ever, maybe, maybe, maybe unique, uh, of study abroad and work abroad opportunities for students interested in pursuing uh, such opportunities related to global health. Uh, and there'll also be links with a variety of interactive learning modules for students who wish to pursue topics such as tuberculosis or malaria or neglected diseases further. All of those things will be on the student website, and I think in in a unique and very helpful way, and again, complementary to what will be found on other important websites. On the faculty website, which will be available only to to faculty who adopt the book, there will be model syllabi for introductory courses in global health. There will be a teaching guide for such courses. 
There'll be uh, several different types of model tests. There'll be a question bank that can be used with um, some of the with uh, multiple choice tests. There'll be a set of PowerPoint presentations that can help the faculty uh, carry out instruction chapter by chapter or topic by topic. And then there'll be links with a variety of other presentation materials that not all faculty will know about, but which are in the public domain and which they might choose to use to assist them in teaching as well. So that, again, I hope that through this combination of um, materials available, both on the student and on the faculty website, that the website uh, itself and in complement to the book will become an exceptionally useful tool for both faculty and students alike and an excellent complement to some of the wonderful materials available elsewhere. Great. Thank you again for taking time to speak with us today, Richard. And thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure, and my thanks to everyone at Jones and Bartlett. Well, that concludes this episode. To learn more about the new Global Health 101 or to request a complimentary review copy, visit go.jblearning.com slash skolnick. That's go.jblearning.com slash skolnick, S-K-O-L-N-I-K. Jones and Bartlett Learning, a division of Ascend Learning, is a world-leading provider of instructional assessment and learning performance management solutions for the secondary, post-secondary, and professional markets. To learn more about Jones & Bartlett Learning, visit the corporate website at www.jblearning.com.